Welcome to Two Pete's in a Podcast, where we will talk about child health from birth right away through to adolescence, dealing with issues of illness, development, and everything else that is of importance. Hello, 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 and welcome to Two Peds in a Podcast. I'm Michael Platten, and I have Simon Strawn with me. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good, Good thanks. to be back. It is. Right. So, a while ago, we had Dr. Ishmael Patel, our resident ENT, joining us on our podcast, where we spoke about grommets, and it was actually quite an enlightening talk. Anyway, so he's back in the recording chair with us today. Welcome, Ishmael. It's nice to see you again. Nice to see you, Michael. Nice to see you, Simon. Yeah, welcome. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your immensely busy schedule uh, to chat to us. So what are we talking about today, Simon? I thought we'd look at tonsils. Um, so a lot around that, and obviously we'll get Ishmael to explain to us the whole thing about the surgery. But Ishmael, I think one of the most common questions is, when do you do a tonsillectomy? In other words, when do you take the tonsils out? So it's things like... How many infections is too many infections? What is failed treatment? What are the symptoms? So maybe you can um, run us through your approach to the decision where you eventually go, these tonsils need to get out of there. Okay. So I often find, Simon, before I even attack that question, uh, the one thing I would like to say is often the one of the questions I often get asked is, doctor, if we have it, does it really need to come out irrespective of what the problems are? So the first thing is, do we need our tonsils for the rest of our life? Because that's often when we're going to do something, we need to understand how important is the structure. And secondly, are those two little balls that we see at the back of the throat, do we need them for the rest of our life? The simple answer is, evidence seems to suggest that by the time we're between six and eight years old, our tonsils actually stop functioning to the level where we actually need it. So the myth that we need our tonsils for the rest of our life is not a, is not a, t- a fact. It, in fact, it's untrue, and by the age of six to eight years old, it already stops functioning. So what are the common things that we see with tonsils? So the main thing that we come in, we get referred to, is, Doctor, my child's been getting sick, and I want the tonsils to come out. The problem in South Africa, unfortunately, is we do not have proper guidelines in South Africa to actually guide us. So most of the information that we have about when to do a tonsillectomy for infections actually comes from the NHS. Now, the NHS has its own constraints, but I'm just going to give you the guidelines. So the guidelines on average is more than six infections a year for more than two to three years. Now, that's very, very difficult in a South African context because the South African context is a unique one. We have patients who are accessing uh, public health care and we have patients who are accessing private health care. But in this environment where parents are really, really finding it difficult to miss work for a child who's sick and uh, since coming from COVID where any sick child is being sent home, this is becoming increasingly difficult in terms of how to manage. But we still use the same guidelines. About six infections for more than two years, uh, if, if possible, even more than three years. You're talking about proper tonsillitis. Proper tonsillitis. Not a red throat with a snotty nose and a bit of fever. This is a child with big infected tonsils, high fevers, miserable. Yes. So preferably seeing a pediatrician or a GP. 
uh, and being put onto antibiotics if uh, you know if deemed necessary, uh, but documented six infections by a health professional and not just uh, where someone assumes that it's the tonsils that's causing the fever. So Ishmael, is there an exception or are there exceptions to that rule? Like when would you say this child needs a tonsillectomy after his second or third infection? Okay, Michael, that's a very interesting point. For me, the most uh, important one is actually the work of breathing. So if you find a child who is failing to thrive, and we always use this word as pediatricians and doctors who deal with kids, what does this actually mean? It means a child who's not actually growing. You and I utilize most of our energy uh, to grow and to perform functions in a day. A child utilizes most of the energy actually to grow. But a child who's struggling to breathe because of large tonsils actually uses most of their energy to actually breathe. And these kids end up failing to thrive or failing to pick up weight. So you generally find they grow in terms of height, but never really put on enough weight. And this is simply the effort of breathing utilizes most of the energy or the food that that child's actually eating. So for me, the biggest one in practice is actually how does the child breathe during the day and particularly at night? And if they snoring or if they obstruct it at night, there's another important concept is do they actually stop breathing? And that means they snore and then they're actually quiet. So although the parents feel they're actually sleeping better at that point, the actual reality is they've stopped breathing and that's why they're quiet. And that for me becomes really, really important because as you guys know better than me, that puts strain on the right side of the heart and can develop a very, very rare condition where the artery that connects the heart to the lung can develop a type of high, uh, hypertension or high blood pressure in it, and that can be detrimental to a child as she grows up. Yeah, I, I think this is what we covered in our snoring podcast, yeah. that whole sleep apnea, where they yes. can't breathe because of all, all the muscles in the airways relax or pa get paralyzed when you sleep. Yes. So that space at the back of the sinuses, the back of the throat, closes off. And if there's any swelling there in, in adenoids or in the tonsils, then obstructs the breathing and they stop breathing. Yes. And in these, in these situations, when you look into your child's throat, let's say when the child is crying and you can get a good look, those two little balls, as you call them, will sometimes even be touching in the midline. You can see that they are massive. Yes. So, first of all, what's normal? Your tonsils should actually take up less than 20% of the space in the back of your throat. So when we're looking as doctors, we want to see a wide airway with your tonsils taking up less than uh, one-fifth or 20% of that airway. And so we, in total? In total. So okay. both tonsils together, taking up less than 20% of your airway. What we actually see and uh, is most of these kids actually have an airway where almost 70 to 80% or more of that airway is sometimes compromised or mm -hmm. closed off, where you can virtually see very little to nothing off the back of the throat. So the tonsils actually as you're looking, look like these huge basketballs at the back of the throat. And a very easy way I ask parents is, how do your kids actually eat? And you'll find those kids generally have a propensity to eat softer food, food that is easier to swallow, and they avoid things like bread and meat, which is more difficult to swallow. And do you find that those patients also have a, a heightened gag reflex just because of this massive mass that's at the back of the, the throat? 
Not not really, because it's simply because uh, because we grow used to having it there, it doesn't really trigger the the gag reflex. Mm. But it's simply because the back of the throat, uh, the most important thing about why they may gag but easier, Mike, is simply because the voice box in kids is very, very high just behind the back of the tongue. So when you're examining as a doctor, because you can't really see that well, you tend to put a bit more pressure on the back of the tongue to get to have a look. Mm. And you're actually stimulating the, the voice box, which also creates a, a, a severe gag reflex. And it's, no, it's, it's not the tonsil itself. It's simply because when we try and visualize, we may end up gagging, uh, the child may gag simply because of us putting the the the, the spatula a bit uh, too far be, uh, at the back just simply so that we can visualize the entire airway mm-hmm. okay so Ishmael, thank you so much for your time for today i think we're going to cut it over there uh, we have a lot of other stuff we're going to unpack with our next episodes but i think this has been a nice overview of tonsillitis and a touch into surgery and the the concerns and when we actually need to do something about the tonsils uh, with our next episode, we'll go into the actual decision to make a or to do a surgery on the tonsils, and then we'll also follow up with the uh, adenoids a bit further on. Thanks, Mike. Time. Thanks, Simon. Great. And yep. Glad to have you again. Mm. So, once again, if you're Jordan, have allowed you to. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this of value, please be sure to sign up to our email list at www.careforkids.co.za and that's the numeral four and subscribe in your favorite podcast app or follow us on Facebook. At 2 Peter in a Podcast. At 2 Peter in a Podcast. T-W-O, not the numerical two. This is our disclaimer. The information we have given you in this podcast is our own personal professional opinion. We're giving it to you for your own information. Please don't use it to treat yourself or to treat anybody else. Rather, go and see your own medical healthcare provider and follow their advice.